I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Hello and welcome to the Friday Podcast. My name is Garrett Morrison. I'm here today with Andy Johnson. Andy, how has your day been so far? It's been uh, delightful. Excited to talk with you about Southern Hills today. Yeah, we're diving into Southern Hills Country Club today, host of the 2022 PGA Championship. It is three weeks until the PGA Championship, so we are officially ahead of schedule here. Yeah, way ahead. But it's good to get this out, give people some time to digest and, and get ready for the PGA. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a really cool event and a really cool course. Um, and I think, you know, if the conditions play right, this, this could end up being the star of the show. I think uh, a star of the year. You know, whether or not the weather works, it's a, it's a really noteworthy course to look at. But if the weather works out and uh, it's firm, this, this place could be really, really fun to uh to watch tournament golf at this is may in tulsa oklahoma so i'm not exactly sure what to expect (laughs) that's that's the the thing about may in tulsa is that it's uh the weather is is pretty temperamental and unpredictable i i think we see it every year you know dallas isn't close but it's not that far away and we see it every year with uh with the tour in may in in dallas is you know, the, the weather can be really great and it could be like a rocket ship out there firm and fast, or it could be really rainy and you could get severe, severe storms. Um, but, you know, if it's the the firm and, and nice weather, that's the thing. And either way, the architecture is really good here and it's going to be fun to watch regardless of, of whether it's soft or firm. It'll be fun to look at no matter what. Uh, and I think that People who remember Southern Hills from the 2007 PGA Championship and from the 2001 U.S. Open are going to be surprised at how different this course looks now. And so we'll get into all that stuff in this podcast. We've got a clip from an interview with uh, Gil Hance. Um, We did a big interview with Gil Hance about an hour and a half, and we devoted around 15 to 20 minutes of that interview to Southern Hills, and we'll play that portion of that interview in this episode. But first, we're just going to kind of generally introduce the course. So it was designed by Perry Maxwell. It opened in 1936. It was renovated open doctor style by Robert Trent Jones in 1958. Since then, it has hosted three U.S. Opens and four PGA Championships. This will be its fifth PGA Championship this year. And over the past 20 years, it has undergone various renovations and restorations. First, Keith Foster did some work between the the 2001 U.S. Open and the 2007 PGA. And what he did was really significant. You know, there was quite a bit of tree removal. There was some widening of fairways. There was some restoration of short grass. And and so that was important stuff. and, And we shouldn't forget that. But I think most significant was what happened in the past few years at that course when Gil Hance and his team did what what 
Hans calls a historical renovation. So he did bunker work, grain work, tree removal, but at the same time, he made some updates, some changes in order to prepare the course for this, uh, for, for a major championship. It, it wasn't known when he did this work that it would get the PGA championship because, of course, Southern Hills was a kind of last minute sub when Trump Bedminster uh, was no longer a, uh, a place that the PGA of America wanted to go. Um, so Southern Hills has subbed in and it, it should be it should be ready for primetime. So just as a general appetizer, before we get to the gill tape here, why do you think people should be excited for Southern Hills as a PGA championship venue? What's special about this course? So when you cover the, the professional game and the modern game, really, you start to realize what are the courses that stand out that really test players and and are really fun to watch and obviously you know at the top of the list is augusta national and what are the ingredients that go into augusta national that make it so compelling to watch obviously everybody's so familiar with the golf course but you've got topography severe topography that creates a lot of uneven lies and fairways you've got immense short grass at augusta national um, you've got undulating greens, small targets. And now if you, if you think about Augusta, another really, really fun major course to watch is Shinnecock. And what does Shinnecock have? It's got short grass. It's got, it's got terrain that creates uneven lies and uphill and dramatic uphill and downhill shots. It's got small undulating greens and, and difficult targets to hit, especially from uneven lies that are your when you're hitting uphill or downhill from them and and Shinnecock is always firm that's the thing that it has that has really vexed players um one other thing that neither of those courses that has that but we see on the pga tour regularly that really flummoxes players is bermuda rough and uh southern hills has bermuda rough and it it you know, the thing about Bermuda rough is it doesn't need to be your eight inch bent or rye or bent grass rough to be really tough. Short Bermuda rough is extraordinarily unpredictable and it has, you know, the ability you it really plays mind games with players because it's hard to figure out what the lie is going to do. And when you when you add that in to Southern Hills, which has all the other aforementioned ingredients that we love it's got topography it's got movement you know it's not augusta national it's a it doesn't have that much but it has a lot of topography you know nobody really has augusta national's topography it's got small targets it's got these greens they're surrounded with short grass and they're undulating in pockets and they they create those micro targets everybody likes to talk about how augusta is the second shot course it's because the greens have these small little pockets that you want to get to. And if you get there, you have really makeable putts. And that's the same thing you're going to see at Southern Hills from undulating lies. But then you also throw in that Bermuda rough. And we're going to see great recovery shots from the Bermuda rough. That's the thing that's great about it is it allows you to recover, but it also can make you look like an idiot. Because you can catch a flyer when you don't expect a flyer, and you might end up twenty yards over. The ball might you might expect a ball to jump, and it might come out dead, and you end up fifteen yards short, and you're running trundling down one of those great false fronts at at uh, Southern Hills. So I think 
if if the weather permits it to be firm, this whole recipe could make it really the one of the most fun championship courses we've seen in a long time because of everything that Gil and Jim Wagner have brought out in this restoration, which is, you know, getting the fairways out to where they're 35, 40 yards wide, getting the trees back and unpeeling some more of the the great creeks that run through the the golf course. And then the short grass around the greens that is going to lead to balls repelling away and running away. And, you know, anybody that watched that U.S. Open at Shinnecock, you remember just the fear that it put into players right off the bat where they knew if they missed the first green or the 10th green, the first green long or the 10th green short, that that ball was going to run away into very undesirable. All of a sudden, it just messes with targets. It makes it a little bit more difficult to really get into those small pockets because you have fear about where that ball is going to go if you miss just a little bit of ways, as opposed to long grass around the greens that's Velcro. You know, the idea of that ball getting away, you know, missing a shot by two yards and it not staying two yards off the green it could run 20 yards away is is a real big deterrent in these guys. So it, it, I think if it's firm and that really presents that situation, that's where this could be the tournament of the year and the golf course of the year. And the, you know, we're talking about it's up against the old course. And, you know, it was a great Masters. And, you know, the, this the country is, club. Yeah, the country club at Brookline is going to be really visually stunning. Uh, this this can be this can be the tournament of the year. Yeah, I mean that's a big statement, but I but I think it's true. I think it'll certainly be the most surprising course of the year for people. And you know, just one thing to add to what you were saying about how there's going to be a real emphasis on getting to the right section of the green. And if you're in one of these weird lies in the rough or an uneven lie in the fairway, um, things could go sideways pretty quickly. One factor that's really going to enhance that is the fact that Gil Hance and Jim Wagner leveled off the edges of the greens, which had built up over time. They they had, you know, as as greens often do, we talked about this in the in the Pasatiempo podcast recently, where just through sand splash and through top dressing, the edges of greens tend to rise up, tend to bulge up. And it creates this kind of bowl-like effect where balls will kind of collect to the middle. They won't run off the edges as much. Well, in their historical renovation, Hanson Wagner leveled those edges off. And so now what you have at Southern Hills are a lot of crowned greens of the type that people associate with Pinehurst number two now. And that's just going to kind of exacerbate the effect of misses. You know, balls are really going to shoot off greens to faraway places if players miss on their approaches. So I think a couple of things that are going to be really emphasized in this PGA championship are approach play, you know, from variable lies, players who can really hit golf shots and not just hit driving range shots. And then players who can recover, who can lag putt really well and who can hit great chip shots. Yeah. I, I think it, it will mirror masters. It's, it's kind of what we look at with, with masters and, and it's got, it's not as wide as Augusta, so you know, it might you might need to be a little bit more accurate driver of the golf ball, but when you talk about the number one player in the world, Scotty Scheffler, and what the skills we saw on display 
at Augusta and why he, you know, and, and he, he's on the record of saying Southern Hills is his favorite golf course anywhere. It's, there's a reason. And it, it's because it, it places a big emphasis on approach play. It, you have to drive the ball reasonably well, but then it, you're going to miss some greens and you're going to get into some precarious places because of the nature of the golf course. And then it becomes, you know, at Southern Hills with the short grass expansion, you know, what I love about it is you're hitting shots and Mike Clayton, I think has used this expression where I picked it up. You're hitting extraordinarily difficult shots from perfect lies. And what it does is it opens up. What we're going to get to see is what's in everybody's bag. We're going to see a wider range of shots. We're a, a, array of shots. We're going to see those types of shots. Like the most thrilling shot we saw at, at the last masters which was Scotty Scheffler's bump and run up a significant hill where he chose to just line it into that slope and bump it up when he had third a, hole. Yeah, he had a bunch of different shots. He makes it, but he hit a real daring and different shot than we typically see week in, week out on tour, which is generally auto lob wedge, open the face and hit something high and lofted, which was immediately after him what Cam Smith did, which was a safer shot in that situation. Um, so what it's going to do is it really, it, and across the golf course with, with what you said, with the uneven lines, this is not driving range golf. It's going to be about who's got the most shots, um, especially if it's firm. You know, if it's soft, it's going to mute some of that. But if it's firm, it's really going to be about golf shots. All right, let's go to the Gil Hance tape. And he's going to mention some of the things that we talked about here. But really what we focused on was uh, some some things that he brought out in the work that he did uh, at the course over the past few years. And uh, then we're going to go through a kind of tour of a lot of the back nine. And, and Gil is going to give his thoughts on the course. So Let's uh, go to that tape and we'll come back in on the other side. So Southern Hills, uh, it's going to make its return to major golf this year. Um, you completed a restoration. I don't really know what to call restorations and renovations. These yeah, exactly. Days. We've uh, got a new term. What is it? We call it historic renovations. Historic renovations. How about I like that? It. That gets you, covers all the bases. It's basically if, if the impetus for changes, and we, we started talking about that after we moved the Sahara on the 17th hole at Baltus Roll on the lower course, which we didn't restore it because we didn't put it back where it was. We moved it downrange, but we did it in a historic fashion. Has so it been decided go. that? Restovation is just too stupid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I hate that word. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, it's really that makes no I cringe sense. whenever I see it. No. Sympathetic yes. renovate, sympathetic restoration, or sympathetic renovation has been around for a while. Sympath- too. Yeah, I think Brian Silva coined the sympathetic restoration oh, okay. term back in the late '80s, early '90s. I think it's the first time I've heard that. It's when you guys were still in middle school. Yeah, I wasn't even. <laughs> I was just getting born. And Cameron was in. Yeah, he wasn't even around. <laughs> so, so yeah, historic renovation is kind of what we're, and I think that's probably applicable for for Southern Hills. Yeah, what uh, what about Southern Hills makes it such a stern test of uh, a golfer's ability? I think ultimately it's going to come down to the greens. I mean, those small targets and and in the the restoration of the green complexes that Jim and I did there, it was definitely, uh, we found there was a lot of buildup on the edges. So the old bunkers had 
you know, the sand buildup had occurred, and then through construction methodologies, they had converted them to USGA greens a while ago. There was a lot of sort of shelf kind of building along the edge of them, and so we pulled all of that back away based on all the old photographs that, uh, that we had seen. And so I think now you have to be incredibly respectful of the edges of the greens because balls are just going to run away in the short grass, you know, the restoration of the short grass around there. So I think it's ultimately going to come down to, to the greens and hopefully the weather cooperates and we get them pretty firm because then I think it's going to be a true test of really ball striking ability because the, the targets are tiny to, you know, access or get close to hole locations. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Robert Trent Jones's idea of a championship test and Robert Trent Jones, of course, famously renovated the course in, in the 50s to prepare it for a U.S. Open. Um, his idea of a championship test was, you know, long holes, heavily guarded landing zones for the drive and the approach. And uh, there was a demand for an aerial attack. And, and that's, that's sort of what Southern Hills became broadly. How do you think the test is different now? Is it that it's more at the greens or how, how would you characterize the difference between the RTJ test and, and the test that exists there and will greet players at the PGA Championship. Yeah, I think the thing that, that Jim and I have worked really hard at is just trusting the original architects. You know, it's not like uh, there was a period in time, and Robert Trent Jones was you know, a practitioner of that, where they felt like they needed to make changes to the original design to toughen it. For But we believe that, yeah, we need appropriately to have length on the tees and the, the bunkers if they can be put in position to challenge those guys will do it but from the standpoint of just trust that maxwell got it right there or that tillinghast got it right and just go with what their original so when you're talking about original you're talking about similar playing corridors removing trees expanding fairways allowing the slope and the contour of the ground to actually feed balls in different areas and have to be more thoughtful about placement even though the fairways are wider they may not effectively be wider because where we've expanded may have gone into areas that really slope off and, and will feed balls to the rough. I think a, a re-emphasis on the little creeks that run through Southern Hills has been an important part of the, the restoration that we did there. I think from that standpoint, you're going to see, especially on holes like 10, creeks are going to come much more in, in play. Uh, 18 with you know, the fairway being restored to come back down, the creek going all the way across the fairway as it originally did. So I think opening and restoring a lot of those features will provide a more interesting test off of the tee. And I think, I mean, members always, and appropriately so, I mean, they're proud of their golf course and they get worried about the score, right? And, and I think that one of the things that Jim and I have come to understand more is just it's, it's ultimately comes down to that week. You know, it's not an indictment of the architecture of the golf course if the guys shoot 10, 12, 14 under if it's soft. You know, everybody talks, well, if it's soft, it's going to play longer. Longer doesn't matter for those guys. It really doesn't. And so I think it ultimately comes down to firmness and, and having the golf course allowed to maximize all those features that Maxwell would have put into it or that Tillinghast would have put into a Baltus roll, et cetera, and just allowing those things to play again the way they had intended to. But if it rains all week, then we know that's out the window. And it's not, as I said, an indictment on the golf course or anything. It just happens to be, that's the way it is. You know, I don't think the general public or even people who think about architecture all that much think about the realities of that it boils down to those four days. 
right? And it boils down to the three days before the tournament, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's why you're starting to see an investment in a lot of the infrastructure that these clubs are putting in is what can they do to try to help control or at least have a more predictable outcome if they get bad weather conditions? You know, what can they do to get the golf course back quicker? And I think that that's something that the, the governing bodies really like, the potential for that to happen. You know, everybody goes into a championship week with a, a, a mindset. Kerry Haig goes in with a mindset. John Bodenhammer goes in with a mindset. And then, you know, it's the, the old Mike Tyson, right? Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And you just have to react to what you've got there. And if this infrastructural up, if the infrastructural upgrades allow you to get closer to what you want, as you go into the week, then I think that's what, what they're what they're seeking. Blaine, Sorry, I went away off yeah. on a tangent there. No, no, no. <laughs> as you guys um, expanded fairways, removed trees, what were the things that you kind of uncovered that even surprised you about Southern Hills? I think the thing that about Southern Hills that I, I, I had no idea, right? The, the first time I went, or it's one of those courses that you look at on, you know, we all, we all geek out and we look on Google Earth and we go, okay, lots of trees, green grass, white bunkers, you know, it doesn't look that great from the air. I never understood the topography. And I think that the scale of the site, I think Maxwell did an amazing job with the routing there. I think it's probably about as good as you could do on that piece of ground, just the variety that he had, how everything flows through it, um, you know, starting and stopping up on the hill. It really, I think he maximized the potential of the site. And by restoring the scale of the fairways and opening back the vistas and allowing the scale of the topography to shine, I think that's really what we uncovered. It was a much better piece of ground than I ever originally thought. What are a couple of holes that you think embody what Southern Hills offers? Well, I think, uh, you know, you're probably going to look at hole like 18 is, you know, it's a tough test. I mean, that's just, it's a killer finish. And, you know, and it's, I think when you're talking about major championships, do you want, you know, that hole, you're, it's not the, it's not like 18 at St. Andrews where you're trying to make birdie or eagle. It's like you're holding on for dear life there. And if you've got a one shot lead, there's nothing guaranteed on that. So I think, the difficulty of, of that test probably resonates more through through the property. But the hole that I, I'm always intrigued by is 10. I think 10 is just going to be such a cool hole to watch. That's probably where I would camp out and, and watch. It's just, you know, obviously a short par four. What do they do off the tee? Do they try and push it down to get the better angle in, which is way down to the left because of the slope of the green? You know, if they put any spin on a shot into them, they're going to be hitting short irons into it. If they pull the string on it, it could potentially come off that left side and go, you know, they could be 30 feet below the green looking back up at that sort of recovery. So I think it's going to require, you know, thoughtful approach off of the tee and then a thoughtful shot into the green. And then the green itself is, is pretty, is pretty severe. So I think it, it embodies all of the more thoughtful challenges that I think exist on a lot of shots around Southern Hills. But I think probably the, the hole that stick in most people's minds is 18. With the, you know, you talked about, you know, the big thing is getting that, those edges unraised and, and then also imparting the short grass. What short, does short grass, you know, as an architect allow you a little bit more freedom knowing, you know, uh, in a way to exact a test on really good players um, because of, you know, the subliminal idea of the ball rolling 50 yards down a hill 
I think so. I think, yeah, I think it's more of a meant if they, I mean, the thing that we love about short grass, and I think all of us included, is it just, it opens up an entire range of possibilities versus, you know, and it could even be in that mental shot. Of, you know, okay, I know that if I miss it five feet left of my target, that ball's going 30 yards down as opposed to going rolling off the green and, and hanging up in the rough. And then the, the recovery from the rough is pretty much a predictable shot. You know what you're going to have to hit to chop it back out versus it rolls down that hill or it rolls anywhere on any of the greens. And now you've got all these different options of how to play it. So I think it gets not only in your head as the, for the approach shot, but then the recovery shots are so much more interesting. So I think it, it offers a, a lot more, much more, many more options as it relates to, to how shots can be played. But I think you're right in, in saying, Hey, it doesn't just start with the recovery shot. It starts with the, you know, when you're looking in on that green. It also, I, I think, adds a level of randomness and also adds a significant amount of uh, preparation that's needed for players. Like people that understand mm -hmm. the golf course and where balls are going to go will will actually probably have a big advantage, right? Yeah, and how you can how you handle those breaks, right? I mean, that's the part of the game that's always intriguing to us as architects. Is it's difficult to challenge them on a physical level, but what can you do mentally if a guy if a ball gets close to an edge and he feels like he's hit a good shot and it goes, rolls off to the side now, is he hot? Is he going to hit a good recovery? Is, is he checked out? And those types of things I think are incredibly interesting. You know, the, the, the thing that makes tour players and, and the top amateurs so good is they work their whole lives to, to ultimately, and I've said this before, you know, have a predictable outcome. Right. They want to know that, okay, if I swing and I do this over and over and over, the outcome is going to be predictable. I know when I need to hit it 171, it's this. If I need to hit it 165, it's this. The short grass doesn't give them a predictable outcome, right? It, it frequently, you, you just, you're not sure where it's going to go. Where is it going to stop? And then ultimately, what am I going to be left with? And so that can start to get into players' heads as well, which I think really is much more interesting than the, the traditional just Okay, chop it out of the rough. Uh, tell, tell us about the holes 10 through 12 uh, and the land they occupy and how Maxwell used them. Used it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting because obviously they selected the clubhouse site to be up on, on the hill and then playing off of it. So with the returning nines, your elevated tee shot and then down to kind of a very, very strong cross uh, from right to left slope. And then you've got the hill, then the valley with the creek running over it, and then back up onto the ridge. And it's, you know, it's a bit of a reverse, it's a, not a bit, it is a reverse camber hole where everything's kicking you, dog leg, dog leg's right, but everything's kicking you left. But the flat is down on the left, and then he tilted the green so that when you're playing into it from the left, it's actually much more supportive than coming from the right, which is the shorter line to play into with everything sort of feeding away from you. And I think that there's the potential, and I don't know whether Kerry's going to do this or not, but there's the potential to set that up where the guys might try and drive it. I mean, you can take it over those trees and land it up in the approach, which would then kick is a very narrow opening. But for those guys, they probably wouldn't mind being in a greenside bunker and take their chances of getting up and down. So I think, you know, you've got off the ridge, down to the flat, back up to the ridge, and then 11, you're teeing off on top of the ridge as well, playing down to a green that's tucked into the valley, which comes from off property. Beautiful little golf hole, and you know the restoration of the creek that runs between 11 and green and 12T was part of the original design that had been filled in uh, over time. 
So I think bringing that back in and the way everything kicks and feeds off to the left, again, it's, it's an interesting, and I just thought about this now, I don't know whether it's applicable through the entire course, but you, you know, the ground's going like this and the green slopes go like that. They basically feed and, and, and tie into the way the ground is falling. Um, you know, another decent sized green on 11, but you've got to hit the right, the right half of it. You know, not the not the proper meaning right, but the literally right hand half of it. Otherwise, everything's going to really slide and funnel off. So, uh, very exacting target. And then twelve, you know, just a, a beautiful sort of big bending hole playing through the valley. So he used the ridges, play off of down, and then here you're starting low and you're hitting up onto the side slope on twelve, and then it just sweeps and feeds its way down, and then the green nestled in the valley. So it's just. They're perfectly three perfectly natural holes that play around a valley, and then they you know they range from high to low, and then low to high, and, and they really uh, I think the variety is terrific. That green site I never saw the tree, but apparently there used to be a huge tree that overhung it on the right hand side, and that really was part of the the challenge to it. But it died. It was it wasn't taken out uh, by our hand, but it it, it took out. It, it's gone. So I think that would have been that's you hear a lot about that tree. And it was an interesting exercise with the the fairway bunker. Instead of you know the, moving it further down the range around the corner of the dogleg, we actually took the bunker in order to make it relevant for today and pushed it out. So we extended the dogleg further out. So it's a little bit sharper dogleg, and we used the bunker to push this way as opposed to picking it up and moving it there and keeping the dogleg where it was. So we've effectively lengthened the hole by making them go that way, although I think... There's a chance that probably can still get over the top of it. Uh, take take us through the closing stretch at uh, Southern Hills and and the kind of action it might produce at the PGA. Yeah, I think the you know the under the underrated green on the golf course that nobody really talks about is 15. I mean that that green is nightmarish as far as uh, we flatten some areas on the back to try and create some more hole locations because I think for the in the past they pretty much relied on that lower bowl front front left. So I think that's really where the action starts is, you know, how you handle the 15th green and ultimately how, you know, how you're putting on that. And then you transition to the 16, which the members play as a par five, but they'll play as a long par four. Um, great topography, small green to play into for, for a long four. So, I mean, that's just a kind of hold on and, and, and get through that golf hole. And then 17 is your chance really to, to, as a short par four, to decide do you, how aggressive do you want to be. And I'm, again, I'll be interested to see how Kerry sets that up, whether he gives them the chance to, in the senior PGA, they played it up, I think, a couple of days, maybe even three of the four days. Um, so you've got the creeks run, the creek running down the right hand side, and then we restored, put back in the creek that crosses the hole that had been filled in. Um, so now just lots of different options, ways to play it, drive it, hit it up on the shelf, on the uh, get yourself a level lie on the left-hand side or hit it down closer to the creek and you know, risk obviously being in the creek, but also um, having a little bit of you know, ball below your feet and playing into there. So I think 17 is a really good sort of option hole for those guys to decide how aggressive they want to be. And then 18 is you know, that quintessential difficult parkland as Jim Finnegan once described those kinds of holes, the quintessential American championship finishing hole. And I think, you know, again, lots of options that we've put a back tee there. So, you know, the guys will really have to, probably going to have to hit driver uh, to get down close enough. And they've got that kicker slope, which we restored, um, brought the creek back across. So they're going to have to be thoughtful about the tee shot. And then 
you know, it, that hole just doesn't let up, you know, long shot into the green and then the green itself is really challenging. So I think you've got shortish par four, but really diabolical green on 15, long par four, get through it. 17 is really where I think a lot of the decision-making happens. And then 18, you've just really got to play good golf. 17 is a really interesting hole because the layup options aren't that desirable. You, you look at them and, and you don't really want to hit that un, uneven lie wedge into a tiny little target. And, yeah. and the green's super interesting because of the, the dynamics of, of where the pins are and how that might change where you want to be, right? Absolutely. It does. Yeah, the, the preferred spot, and it's not easy to get to, we took a bunch of trees down to restore it, is that shelf down there on the left. But if you go a little too far left, you're in the trees. If you're a little strong, then that's probably the closest point of the, the creek that crosses the hole. So it's it's the most desirable desirable spot to get to, but it's hard to get to it for sure. This episode of the Fried Egg Podcast is brought to you by Gooder. Gooder makes $25 active sunglasses for anyone. I wear my Gooders almost every day, and they are fantastic. They have high-contrast lenses that are designed specifically for golf. They're comfortable, stylish, lightweight, and best of all, they're very affordable. So it would be completely within my budget to get a backup pair Or as you often talk about, Andy, if you lose a pair of these, it's not the hugest disaster in the world. Yeah, I I mean, I think it's long been known the sunglass industry is is just one where you're buying a lot, you're spending a lot of money for something that doesn't cost very much to make. And I think these guys are are shaking it up and providing high quality sunglasses, polarized lenses. Like it's been amazing to see out in the world since I've you know since we've been partnering with Gooder, how many people are wearing these. Like I, it's a great product. I can't speak enough about how nice it is to have multiple pairs of sunglasses having one just dedicated to my car um so i don't have to like think find my i'm a little absent-minded i don't have to find my sunglasses every time i go to the car and they're really high quality that's the other thing i don't feel like i'm losing anything in the quality department which is the big thing there have always been cheap sunglasses that you could get at the supermarket gooders are not those kinds of sunglasses they are they are very high quality if you'd like to try Gooder sunglasses for yourself, Gooder is going to give you 15% off your entire order. So go to Gooder.com, that's G-O-O-D-R.com slash T-F-E and get 15% off when you use code T-F-E at checkout. All orders over $50 get free shipping in the U.S. Again, that's 15% off with code T-F-E at G-O-O-D-R.com slash T-F-E. Look good, golf gooder. All right, so we finished up with Gil there talking about the back nine at Southern Hills, holes 10 through 12, the finishing stretch 15 through 18. And so I thought, Andy, maybe we could talk a bit about the front nine. One thing I I think about holistically with the front nine, and I think the back nine is pretty neutral, but the front nine has quite a few holes where a draw is a preferred shot shape. So you think about one, two, even three, and then you get to five. The par five is a, a draw is really important there. And the par three, six and eight are both draw holes. Um, and really you could make a case that that seven is a little bit of a draw hole with just the way the fairway and the whole hole slopes. So to hold three. it into the slope, you would need a draw. 
So, you know, one of the things that I think about just in general about the front nine and in the golf course in general is that it may favor a draw a little bit. And we see, you know, I hate to keep bringing up the Masters, but we see how much trouble hitting a draw gives this generation of golfers because of a combination of, of golf swings and how golf swings and equipment has been optimized to hit that kind of knuckle fade. So I think that's one of the things just as a whole, the front nine presents is that it is a, you know, I I think this is on the margins, but winning a major championship is about playing well on the margins and getting the most out of little things. But I think being able to, to hit a right to left shot is a big advantage here. And I think that with the front nine in general as a whole is just something that you you want to have in your arsenal out, out here. Yeah, and it's another way that Southern Hills is working against the driving range mentality, right? Gil talked about this uh, when we were discussing short grass. He says, you know, these guys work their whole lives to hit a certain kind of shot a certain way, and they're really good at it. And what shortgrass does is it introduces an element of unpredictability that nobody can account for in any trackman range session. And I think that also hitting a draw is kind of in that category because what a lot of the top players are trained to do now is just hit this knuckle fade. That is the most controllable way to leverage modern equipment to hit a long drive. So when you come to a course where a draw is kind of preferred, all of a sudden, the players who can really play golf, who who aren't just range rats, all of a sudden, those players are going to rise to the top a bit more. So I guess that's sort of the general theme at Southern Hills is that this is a golfer's golf course. This is not a course where you can just bash away using the modern driving range methods. You have to hit a variety of shots. You have to have a deep bag. And the other thing, obviously, with the front nine, we talked uh, with Gil at length about the back nine, and there's, the, I think that's going to get a lot of the attention. But I think something that, that sticks with me is that we played uh, Southern Hills, what, three, four years ago now? Yeah, it was, in, it, was in 20, it was in 2019, like late summer 2019. Yeah. So, you know, something a while back, and something that sticks, I... I remember every single shot on the front nine as well. I remember every hole vividly. And we spent a day out there, a full day, uh, actually a day and a half. But, you know, for something somewhere to stick with you that long, is it, it shows that there's a lot of great holes on that front nine. And, and the back nine is going to get a lot of, of run. But the front nine is, is very worth a study. Um, obviously, you've done something on the first hole. That's a mm-hmm. great start to the round and just such a dramatic entrance into the arena. Yeah, I did a video on the first hole that was basically about how the first hole establishes the themes for the entire course. You know, you basically tee off from this hill that the clubhouse sits on. And this hill is really important at Southern Hills. A lot of holes play into it and off of it. Perry Maxwell really made the most of this hill. So the first hole tees off from that hill in the shadow of the clubhouse. It's one of those really intimidating, you know, first tee shots where the tee is really close to the clubhouse and you play out into the center of the course. The, the It's a long par four that bends to the left and the green sits on another of the main features of the Southern Hills property, which is this gully 
that sometimes has water in it and sometimes doesn't. And a bunch of greens sit along the edges of this gully so that they're a little bit pushed up and uh, water kind of can drain off of them into this water course. And so you get the first that you get the main two landforms both in this first hole. And then, you know, you're just kind of going through the center of the course and you can see out to the edges of the property because of the tree removal that has been done. And so you get a preview of the entire rest of the course. So just from an emotional standpoint, from, you know, an artistic standpoint, the first hole is really great because it it establishes what this course is about. And then beyond that, it's just a really strong hole that uses the land in a very clever way. You know, the fairway tilts from right to left and the green also tilts the same way. It moves with the flow of the land. And so you really want to be on the left side of this fairway. But one of the things that Gil Hance's team introduced is a couple of bunkers along the left side of the fairway. And so the closer that you play to those, the better the angle you have into this green, the more you stray away from them. And I'm sure a lot of players are going to stray away from them. The problem is you're going to be faced with an uphill lie and a green that kind of runs away from you from that angle and is very unreceptive to a draw shot shape, which is often what's going to be produced off of that lie in the fairway. So right away, you know, from a strategic perspective, you have a lot of what Southern Hills is about, which is, you know, you're constantly fighting the land. One other thing about it is that it introduces the the fear of 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 miss like you talked about if you if you miss if you hit the if you stray away from the bunker off the tee which most players are going to do you know um it it just puts it delays your penalty right it delays you have to confront a hazard at some point and the hazard that you have to confront because you strayed away is the back of the green mm-hmm. because it's a shallow green to hit from the right side of the fairway it's a lie that produces a draw that might have the ball go a little bit further than you expect. And then the back of the green is shaved off and it will tumble, tumble down far into a bad place. And that's, I think it, it introduces that approach into the green so well. The other neat thing about that first green is you talked about it, it gets you right to the central part of the property. And from that first green, you see the third green is right there. The second tee is right off it, obviously, but also the seventh green, the eighth uh, eighth hole is right there. The ninth tee, the fourth hole runs parallel to the first hole. The seventeenth green isn't far away either. Exactly, and and all of a sudden, the other thing it's going to do, similarly, you know, to some of our our great major venues, is this is a a concentration of energy right off the bat. You're not going to just some corner of the property. You know, you're not playing out to tunnel. There's going to be just an infectious amount of major energy. We see what happens with major championships when we go to these, not necessarily big cities, but these middle markets. This is the biggest event that Tulsa has this year. People are going to be out in droves, and it's going to put players right into the major cauldron right off the bat, more so than the 10th hole, right? That first hole, you get right into the energy. And it's going to be an under-talked-about dynamic of the start at Southern Hills, especially on the weekend, is that when those guys are, you know, maybe it's a new player that's never really been there on a weekend of a major, is that the first hole at Southern Hills throws you right into the thick of that atmosphere um, right off the bat. 
And I, I think it keeps that momentum going. And you talked a little bit about the waterways, but the second hole is in your face. If you didn't notice the waterway on the first, which you can not notice it, it's kind of a tucked away a little bit. The second hole and the third hole bring the creeks, and this is a key theme to the golf course, bring the creeks into full realization. Like, you know, you will not miss the creeks at this point. And the second hole is one of the holes that, has changed the most thanks to tree removal. It has now got a right and left path. The right path is going to be the predominant, and it's going to be this lone tree, and it's a real juxtaposition when you look at the old hole in comparison to the new hole with what tree removal did. It showcases this beautiful creek that runs through and then around the back of the, the hole. And again, it's a green that's got that short grass around it and the ball runs all different directions. So if you don't hit the fairway, this is a great example. If you don't hit the fairway, you have to be really careful about your next shot. And that's what this golf course becomes. It becomes a game of chess, right? If you're in the right position, you can play aggressively. You can move aggressively across the check chessboard and not, but if you're out of position, that's when you have to get really thoughtful about how am I going to get out of this kind of situation that I've put myself in. I think the second hole is a, is a great before and after example. If you look at what that hole became by the 90s, by the 2001 U.S. Open, it had really no distinctive features about it. You look at it now, and it's very dramatic and very cool. Um, all right. So the, the other hole that I wanted to talk about on the front nine is a new hole. I wanted to talk about this, too. Number seven. This hole has had a complicated history. It used to be a kind of shortish par four. Perry Maxwell designed it as a shortish par four that played up to the left. That was a severe dog leg to the left with a green right along basically the fence line. You can still see. I think you can still see the green on Google Earth. Like you can see the 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 landforms if you look closely. And 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 for anybody that's really interesting interested in this, you can you know there's a tree clearing on the left side. Of, of the of this hole if you find it on Google Earth and you can see kind of a distinct little landform that probably was the green um, and it's about 70 yards short and left and way left on the fence line as Garrett talked about um, if you wanted to look and get a visual idea of where that green is because the trees are cleared in that area because the green was once there. And it was moved away from there for, I think, a variety of reasons. I've heard drainage mentioned, but probably the main reason is that it was right along the property line and a, a big city grew up around Southern Hills. I think there's some championship golf aspect of it, too. I think that yeah, to lengthen the, it, the, for length, sure. the length and the idea of it not being hard enough was a yeah. part of this because you see that type of hole at a lot of other Perry Maxwell courses where they have he has these kind of dog legs that play in their shortest holes and in if you've been there there's significant right to left tilt on that hole and the idea is playing up towards the property line to hold you mean left to right yeah left to right tilt it's like a reverse camber it's a reverse it was a reverse camber dog leg yeah up to a raised green and you Mm -hmm. see that at other perry maxwell courses yeah i mean the basic idea is if you let your ball run down the hill, you just have that longer approach. And more uphill 
Yeah. And and these are not difficulties that really bother the modern professional. Now, you know, we, I, we keep talking about how this course plays for the pros, not just because it, we have the PGA Championship coming up, but because Southern Hills was always intended to be a championship level course. That's what it was designed to be in a way that Prairie Dunes was not necessarily, in a way that Old Town Club, another Perry Maxwell course, wasn't necessarily intended to be a big championship course. Southern Hills was. And so from that perspective, you know, the change, you can understand it, even if that old hole was probably pretty cool. So, you know, a few decades ago, they moved the green down to the right so that it basically turned into this straightaway par four. Pretty dull. All right. Gil Hans comes in and moves the green farther down range and pushes it down to the right against the creek. The green now sits flush against that creek. The creek runs along the right side of the green, and the green tilts heavily toward the creek. And so what you now have is a pretty long par four that runs along a left-to-right slope with a left-to-right sloping green. And that's the challenge. Okay, so how do you play this hole? I'm going to be interested to see how they do play this hole because I don't really know. Yeah, yeah, you could play it up on top of the hill and get the flat lie, but you have the longer approach. You could push it down. And it's a worse angle from up there, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, it depends on how far right you get. It's it's all right. This is what we kind of talked about. With This is a basic strategy, right? Play close to the creek, and you get the benefit. The slope's going to help you. The green opens up and is much more approachable and uh, along with the slopes. But, you know... It'd be really easy if you're trying to push it over there to get it over there. And I think this is where, you know, weather, obviously, like if it's firm, it's going to be a really hard shot from the left side of that fairway into that green because it's narrow. Everything slopes to the water and it's just it will be a challenging shot. My guess, you know, one of the underrated things about the hole is the blindness and the uncomfortable uh, tee shot. You know, you're hitting up over a hill. And it, it, it's hard to pick your line and commit to your line. And obviously things are only blind once, but no matter what, it's still in the back of these guys' heads. I think we're going to see a lot of guys hit driver left and just deal with the second shot here. Yeah. Play away from the hazard. I mean, that that is kind of the modern way. If you, if you have a penalty hazard, you got to get as far away from it as possible. But it is going to be a, a tricky approach from up there, no doubt. The ball's really going to move on that green. And so, you know, uh, I'm not sure what kind of irons they're going to be playing in. Probably shorter irons than I'm imagining right now. But it's always short. It's always a shorter iron than you imagine, Gary. It's probably going to be like a sandwich or something. <laughs> but um, anyway, that's that's too depressing to think about. So, well, why don't we talk quickly about number five? What, what do you what do you think is cool? I think there are some fun angles there. Yeah, exactly. Well, it starts with the tee shot. It it, it dog legs left, and you really in the in the whole entire fairway slopes away from you in the, in a left to right manner. So you really, there's bunkers on the right side. You got to turn the ball right to left with the way these guys hit it. And it's a really hard tee shot to get yourself to do that. It's just a, you know, it's a hard shot to hit with modern equipment. So, you know, if you hit that draw, you're going to be set up with a, a really good chance at making a birdie or maybe even an Eagle. But if you don't, then, you know, you have a, kind of a tricky layup with all the bunkers there's a i don't know exactly how many bunkers there's a lot of bunkers there's a creek that cuts in on the right side and kind of runs along the right side 
And it's not a easy layup. Like where you want to push your ball up to lay up, where these guys want to get to, which is in that short wedge category. You know, they want to get it inside 100 yards. The, the statistics prove out that the closer you are, especially inside 100 yards, is where you're gaining the most strokes. Um, when you push that up that far, there's an immense amount of trouble. So it almost acts similarly to 15 at Augusta is a good example of this. The, the layup is really undesirable. Um, and here it's not as it's not as difficult of a wedge shot. The wedge isn't as hard. It's just a tough layup to you could get in a lot of trouble on the layup when you push up and, and it's not obvious. It's not a pond. So we might see guys push up more or try to and end up in bad spots. Right. Uh, two bunkers guard the layup zone there. And then there's a bunch of bunkers up by the green. There's an opening to the green on the left. And so that's the most comfortable place to hit a wedge shot from, from the left. But it is it is tough to get that layup left. There's a bunker over there, and you kind of have to be in the right position in the fairway. It is, it, yeah, it is a dicey, uncomfortable layup for sure, and a pretty severe green. Yeah, and it, it kind of fits a Maxwell theme, which is these ridge-to-ridge holes. So there you're teeing off the very edge of the the clubhouse ridge. And then you end up at this kind of high ridge. The green sits up um, and it's kind of above the second green. It's on another ridge. And that's just a Maxwell, you know, you're going to hear a lot about Perry Maxwell. Perry Maxwell loved ridge to ridge holes where you play kind of off a ridge down and then back up to a ridge. And, And for a par five, it's great because... It makes that second shot really exacting if you're going for it. And he loved those holes, you know, probably for a number of reasons. But one big reason was drainage efficiency. He was building courses during the Great Depression, building them in a cheaper way than they had been built in the 1920s. And so he was looking for maximum efficiency and cost savings. And one way to do that is to build your tees and your greens on ridges. Now, the problem with that routing method is that it can sometimes result in repetitive courses. But the genius of Perry Maxwell is that he was able to find routings that played ridge to ridge, but never felt repetitive in the way that they did that. And I I think that's what's really special about Southern Hills that's not going to necessarily come through on TV. The way the routing uses the land in a variety of ways, but puts those tees and greens in pretty similar places over and over you you just don't feel like that's what's happening well i think the the key to that is they're playing ridge to ridge but what's happening in between is the natural topography and the uh, and, and the randomness that when you don't move dirt to make things flat and different things and you let the topography just be its natural state it's, it feels seemingly random because you're never confronting the ridges from the same angles or across the same ground. All right. So something I wanted to talk about in general, a thing about Southern Hills that has maybe bothered me a little bit has to do with the greens. I think there are some really cool green designs here. But when I compare them to the greens at Old Town Club and Prairie Dunes, they just fall short. I think you see similar green designs at Southern Hills. You see some of those Perry Maxwell rolls, the way he built up features in the middle of the green 
instead of just on the edges, so they're recognizably his designs. But they're just a lot more subdued. And maybe that's okay because the land is is pretty dramatic, but you also have pretty dramatic land at Old Town Club in Prairie Dunes, but the greens there are are just a bit more interesting to me because they're bolder. And so I, I wonder what you think of the greens at Southern Hills. Yeah, I, I think they... They don't have those like eye popping Maxwell rolls like Prairie Dunes or Old Town Club have. Um, and I think, you know, I think Dorna Kills doesn't have those either. Another Oklahoma Perry Maxwell course. And that was an early, that was obviously his first one. Um, you know, I think some of this is probably the impact that uh, major championship golf has over the years is that, you know, these have been restored. But what were they restored to, right? Um, what what kind of what was done with the slopes, right? And and I I saw Derek Duncan had an article with Russ Myers uh, on Golf Digest where Russ talked about how the greens were weren't going to be thirteen or fourteen, they're going to be eleven or twelve for the PGA, so they don't lose a lot of cool pins. And I think that's the thing. How do you have really slope greens, you know, and not run them like an open championship runs them. You think about another course that Maxwell was involved with is Crystal Downs with McKenzie. And could you have a major championship uh, speed greens at, at Crystal Downs? No. You know, and I think this is one of the things that happens when you make, when you host major championships is that no matter what, you know, those greens aren't going to have the slope that they once had. You know, I'm not fully aware of the inner workings and, and, you know, I don't know what the slopes were originally, but I agree with you that they do not feel as daunting as a lot of his other work around the area and around that time. You know, I think, like I said, one thing I, I learned um, about Maxwell was that, you know, Dean Woods, his construction foreman, was when he started working with Perry Maxwell, that's when the greens started to really ramp up. And that's why one of the reasons that Dorna Kills greens are a little bit more subdued than other ones was that Dean Woods wasn't working with them then. Interesting. And I think that's what uh, that's what Blake Conant, who obviously was heavily involved with Tom Doak's uh, restoration of Dorna Kills, told me. Yeah, that, that's very possible because so much of our idea of the Maxwell roles and of Perry Maxwell's approach to green design comes from Prairie Dunes and Old Town Club. And those were at the very end of his portfolio. And so those those might be the outliers as opposed to the representative uh, examples. I don't know. It, it's just something that I thought about uh, as we were playing it. I was like, I'm not as tempted to go around these greens and just hit putts. You know, like I am at Prairie Dunes or Old Town Club, where there's just so many fun little areas of the green and you just want to see how they work. Uh, you don't get that same sense of play at Southern Hills. And I think that that's, for me, what makes it fall a little bit short of Old Town Club and what makes it fall short of uh, of Prairie Dunes. I mean, Prairie Dunes obviously has the amazing location as well. But uh, that's why on my personal list, it would be ranked a little bit lower but at the same time, it's going for a different thing. I mean, we, we have to remember that this is a major championship hosting course. That is what it's going for. That's part of its purpose. That's not part of the purpose uh, of the other Perry Maxwell courses that we've talked about. And, and so this all comes back to that compromise that you have to make 
between classic golden age architecture and modern major championship preparation. There are other aspects of Southern Hills that are also very modernized. The greens have precision air systems under them. I mean, that's that's obviously not a golden age thing. All the kind of agronomic infrastructure is is very modern. That's something to talk about. Like without that, I don't know if they could host a major championship in May, given the weather and have conditions that, you know, I mean, they got one of the best in the business, Russ Myers, as, as a su- their superintendent there. And I think that, you know, they get a they Tulsa has one of the widest spreads of of weather. You know, when you look at how cold it can get and how hot it gets in the summer, you know, you're talking about, you know, maintaining turf at, in one of the areas of the country that deals with the most types of weather. So, you know, one of the things that makes this May date possible and and I think this is a, another thing about it is like we've never seen Tulsa not in like the inferno summer months. Yeah, yeah. Tulsa in August is what we've gotten a lot. Yeah. Yeah. In June and June. And June for the US Open, yeah. So we get it a couple of weeks earlier when when it's really, you know, it can be a really idyllic time to be there. Obviously the fall is a great time to be in Tulsa, but unfortunately there's no major championship golf then. I mean, maintaining turf in Tulsa, Oklahoma is a big challenge. That's why they have this infrastructure. And as you say, Russ Myers does an incredible job. This is a, a beautifully maintained course. But yeah, it does it does feel modern in the in the ways that it's maintained. And it's that way because it it has it wants to host major championships. It, it can't be like Essex County Club, where they have a more old fashioned approach to presenting that course. It just can't do that because PGA championships and US Opens wouldn't come there if they were doing that. Yeah, it's sad, but you know, PGA Tour players expect certain things and uh expect a lot of uniformity in in course maintenance. But they'll also they'll also maybe be bothered a little bit by some of the things that happen to them at Southern Hills, I would imagine. Yeah, and especially yeah, if you get wind um and firmness out there, it could be could be really, really. It, it, it's. I, I think the thing about it. I'm not sure where the scores are going to land, and I think that's super weather dependent. But I think the one thing it will do, um, if it's allowed to, with with the with the conditions, is that it will do a really good job of separating great play from average play and average play from bad play. And I think we could see a really nice, uh, nice tournament where. You know, the, it's very clear who the best players in a given week are, which sometimes doesn't happen. Sometimes you watch a tournament and you're like, I don't know who, who really played best. At Augusta this year, it was very clear that Scotty Scheffler was the best player in the field. This episode of the Fried Egg Podcast was edited by me and Meg Atkins. One quick note, if you haven't been to the Fried Egg Pro Shop in a while, you should definitely check it out. We have totally reworked the design and it's a lot easier to navigate. You can find headwear, apparel, accessories, photography, shotgun start merchandise, things of that nature, all at proshop.thefriedegg.com. All right. Thanks for listening.